Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, hello, uh, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend Jakub, and we're going to talk about the five events that happened, and of course the five events that uh, come in. I feel like recently it's like five events constantly, uh, which you know is good, uh, but it's also a lot of work. But it's good, so let's uh, let's get there. Yeah, yeah, we're going to start in Zug, uh, the Challenger 125 that we had this week, and you got a point for yourself there with your number one uh, seed strategy last week. It worked out once for you, and this was it here with Artur Rinerknecht beating Joris Delor 3-6-6-3-6-4 in the final. His fifth challenger title in his career. First one since Vancouver last year, last August. Uh, he started by beating Gianmarco Ferrari 7-6-6-3, came back from a set down against Stefano Travaglia to win 6-3 in the third. Be Adrian Andreev 6262, also a big match against Rodionov in the semis 467562. Up 13 spots, number 67. What did you make of this week for Rinderknecht? Yeah, uh, I feel like I hadn't got a point before this for like a month at least. So <laughs> glad that I keep my lead at least, because as you will find out later, Jakub also got a point. But um yeah, uh, we all know that it wasn't really a great year for Rindernek up until now. I think he again struggled with some health issues, which is pretty similar to um, his 2022 campaign when he also struggled in the spring, then won Poznań, uh, now he won Zug. And then the, the, you know, the second half of the year was pretty decent for him. So I think he'll be hoping for something similar. He can certainly do it in like these indoor events. Fast clay has always been good for him too. He had runs in like Kitzbühel-Gstad on the main tour. So not, not really that surprising. Of course, a really tough run, especially Travalia, Rodionov, Delor. And uh, it kind of has to be, oh, maybe I'll mention that when we're talking about Rudionov, but uh, yeah, uh, I don't think he's like fully back, but uh, with with these sort of conditions, he always has a good chance to recover. And that's exactly what he did. He, he is, I think, one of these players who like, once they drop down to the Challenger Tour, they instantly show that they're sort of, I don't know if above it, but, you know, they have the quality to be winning this, these events pretty regularly. Yeah, absolutely. A uh, big week for him, really needed it. Um, and yeah, as, as you said, I mean, I, I agree. Every time we sort of see him drop down here, he just reminds us a little bit uh, just how good he is. As for yours, the Lord, this was his fourth challenger final, third one this season after he made uh, a title in the final in Oeiras in January. He started by beating Dominic Stricker, who was my pick this week, 4 6 7 5 6 3, then overcame Jeffrey Blancano, 7 6 6 7 6 3. Uh, it was another battle for him against uh, Matteo Gigante, 3-6-7-6-6-4, and then he beat Fabio Fonini finally in straight sets, 7-6-6-1. Was a setup in the final, couldn't hold on to the lead, but he moves up 38 spots, number 164, his new career high ranking at 30 years old. What did you make of this week for Delors? 
Yeah, his first challenger final on clay. Uh, you know, we can sort of go deep into the discussion of whether Zug is actually clay, but uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's definitely very fast. It's a it's a very specific synthetic surface, but I think it's still um, it's still you know uh, pretty much clay, and. Um, there was a lot of wind in these matches and like he had some crazy battles with Striker, Gigante, Blancano. Um, I think he saved the match point against Gigante at uh, five, six down in the second with the Italian serving and was like a long point as well. So, so a crazy run for him, as he said, up, up a set in the final, but can't really blame him for getting a little bit tired. And, um, yeah, just also, it also felt like anytime Rindenek got into trouble this week, he, he kind of upped his game and the lore wasn't able to reply but still a fantastic week of course i was i was a little bit surprised to learn that he's not like not not really in top 100 contention anymore uh when it comes to like the atp race um it felt to me like maybe with oirash you know the the two runs at the beginning of the year and this he would be back up there but he's like about 150 or something so it, it's probably not happening this year but still of course the best win the the best season of his career yeah, yeah. I mean, he he started very strong, but we haven't really seen him have a have a run like this in in a couple of weeks. But I mean, he's certainly capable of it if if he keeps this up. I think. Yeah. As far as semifinalists, let's start with Yuri Rodionov, who beat Hamad Majedovic six three seven five, took out Madara six two six four, beat Zizou Berks once again for like the fourth time this season, or in like the last two months even that they've played. Uh, this time six three seven five, his fourth challenger semifinal this season. Um, on his on his third surface now after uh, two on indoor hard, one on grass, and now one on clay. I think that's the split. What did you make of Rodionov's week here? Yeah, um, he was actually a match away, or you can even say three games away. You can say three holes away from uh, getting to the top 100 for the very first time. Of course, mm -hmm. it's been a story with Rodionov basically since the beginning of 2020. And it's still a saga that continues. He's not playing this week, so we know he's not going to break it right now. Uh, he is at one, 107 now, you know, very close. Perhaps he's going to do it anyway. Uh, that's what we would expect. He is like amazing at putting up these semi-final quarter-final results throughout the year, basically. Uh, as he said, the, the Berks win, which uh, hasn't been a good matchup for him, even though they, they, they've played a lot. Um, I think Zizi was like a bit injured as well, um, slicing his backhand a ton more than, than he would usually, but still still a nice performance. And of course, beating Majedovic in the opening round was, was huge. And yeah, that just didn't... Um, Managed to hold on from 6-4, 2 up, I think, against Rindernach set and a break up, which um, has to hurt. But, you know, he's still pretty likely to do it anytime soon. And then that was actually uh, what let Yosuke Watanuki break the top 100. And that was what I wanted to mention. Uh, there was this uh, pretty interesting, you know, situation where um, if Rodionov loses, Watanuki gets in. And if um, Rodionov wins, then Vatanuki has to wait. As it later turned out, Vatanuki actually would have gotten in regardless because of Goffin's loss that day. But, you know, still, it, it's pretty funny that Vatanuki broke the top 100 not playing since Wimbledon. Uh, but, you know, we've talked about this guy so many times as well. And, like, it, it's clear that he, um, well, he has been focusing like his schedule on the on ATP tour events this year and he's actually been making it work too so obviously he's like a very um you know deserved top 100 breakthrough uh Rodionov will have to wait for his vote 
Yeah, yeah, he, he's going to have to defend those Japanese events that he had towards the end of the season. Uh, I assume that, that he'll want to drop down to the challenges again to do that. Um, but yeah, still a, a great great way to sort of take advantage by, by Watanuki. It wasn't really on my radar as, as someone that I had uh, to, to break the top 100. But he was yeah. actually on my list though um for oh, of the top go. 100 debuts yeah the the japanese challengers at the end of the year really uh convinced me like uh, it was something that he was always doing right um winning these japanese challengers not following it up but uh, it actually felt like the quality was just too good in there uh, and yeah that that's kind of what happened but of course he wasn't playing in zug uh, we were just mentioning him because you know the power balance uh, and like the <laughs> the, the radio of Sloss letting him in and eventually of course he also would have gotten in without uh, without that as well yeah our other semi-finalist was Fabio Fonini who beat Feldbausch 6-4-6-2 Aziz Dugas in a crazy match 1-6-7-6-6 love beat Jakub Menshik as well 6-4-6-2 his first challenger appearance since April 2012 uh, in Barletta back then he lost to Matra Midelkup uh, now a double specialist uh, in the second round. But what did you make of this this week from Fognini dropping down to the challenges for the first time in more than a decade? Yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. You know, he's also playing San Marino. Uh, honestly, when I watched him against Dugas, I felt like you know he he fought very hard, clearly, but the level wasn't really there. So then I was a little shocked to to see him beat Menchik. Uh, and against Delors on the second day of action, because they actually had to finish their semi on on Sunday, he just didn't show up at all. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see whether he actually remains on the Challenger Tour and like tries to grind. Um, maybe he's going to play Szczecin in September. Like I think that's a real possibility without even you know us inviting him there. I think that's the best possible option he could play in that Davis Cup week. So, uh, so, so that could be very exciting if if we if we can get him in Poland. And yeah, uh, very very surprised with the Manchik win, given that against Dugas he was kind of poor. But it it's been fun to see him care most of the time. Yeah. Over in the doubles, we had Theo Aribash and Lucas Sanchez winning the title, their second challenger title this season. They also have two more finals. Uh, they're a number number nine in the challenger race for, for doubles teams. Uh, in the final, they beat Ergi Kirkin and Dalibor Svarcina, the third challenger final this season for Kirkin already, and then the first ever in uh, in doubles for, for Svarcina. Uh, we can go over to Segovia, where we had Pablo Yamazrui beat Antoine Escoffier 7-6-7-6 for his first challenger title. Made his first final uh, a month or two ago in Vicenza. On this run here, he beat Mikael Damas 7663, Mark Lyell 6463, Kwampa Bofikovic 7675. Was then challenged quite a bit more by Moreno Boran in the semis 676176, but overcomes that, wins the final in straight sets, uh, moves up 38 spots, number 146, breaking the top 150 for the first time in his career. What did you make of Yamasis Ruiz's maiden title run here? Yeah, um, against Morado Dalboran, he saved three match points and they were actually consecutive at four or five in the third. But like it was only like serve, uh, serve plus one forehand and serve and volley or something like that. So so no rallies in there whatsoever. Uh, but still a great run. You know, no one was really expecting him to be this good on hard, I suppose. And it's not that we, you know, thought he's going to be poor or something. We just didn't really get it get many chances to to watch him play 
on on this sort of um, you know in these sort of conditions he was already fine in Pozoblanco barely losing to Morocanias and uh honestly just the, the way he was playing especially after his serve um the, the plus one forehand also how he was getting to the net very quickly uh, it's not really something that you would see on clay like he's a pretty smart server but there's not that much pace on it usually here he actually you know was was dangerous with his delivery and I think that that really gave him a, a huge chance in this run. Beating Galayal, beating Fikovic even is a is a big win, of course. Moreno Dalboran, probably one of the favorites for the title. And and the final as well. Uh, you know, he was the better player. He was constantly pushing for Escoffier to like come up with some ridiculous shots, match points down. And then in the second set tiebreak, he was already so gassed that he couldn't really serve properly anymore. He was just rolling it in and like not using his legs at all. So um that was um you know that was quite a wild way to win it for sure, and I think if it went free, he he would have had no chance. So uh, very key for him to to actually get there on that seventh match point, I think. And and this, by yeah. the way, raises his potential a lot, right? Because we we just thought of him as like a constant, you know, a guy who will only do well on clay, basically. Like that, there's no chance that he has any other results and will have to stay on clay already already long. So that really raises his potential. I think he's actually uh, about 110th in the ATP race, which um, he probably wouldn't think of, but, you know, in the future, he definitely has top 100 potential, whether, whether it will be this year. I mean, clearly he has a chance if he, if he just keeps this up. Yeah, uh, as for Escoffier, this was his first ever challenger final at 31 years old. Uh, made four semifinals this year, six previous challenger semifinals total. Uh, on this run here, he beat Inaki Montes de, de la Torre, 7-5-6-2, Luca Potenza, 6-1-6-3, David Chordasanji, 6-3-6-1, Terence Atman, 6-3 in the third. Not the strongest run to the challenger final we've ever seen, but he got there. Up 29 spots, number 162, his new his new career high ranking as well. What did you make of this week for Escoffier? Yeah, um, Escoffier actually would have been, um, well, we, we had two guys this year who, um, this, this, this week, who were very close to like getting on the leaderboard in terms of oldest first time challenger winners. And um, basically Escoffier would have been third on the list had he, uh, had he won behind Joseph Siriani and Peter Fleming. So quite an achievement he missed there. But you know, in the in the past couple of um basically in the by the way, Peter Fleming, the the doubles were number one. That's kind of surprising to me. But mm -hmm. anyway, um Antoine Escoffier was of course um in the past like I don't know since the beginning of 2022, let's say, he was just constantly making quarterfinals, semifinals on the Challenger Tour. It was bound to turn into something at some point. Uh, you know, there was, um, I, I think his win-loss record was at like 6-16 in the quarterfinals before this week, but it was 6-12 since the beginning of 2022. And when it comes to the semifinals, it was 0-6, and six, and that was actually all since the beginning of 2022. Uh, most yeah. of them this year too. So, so, you know, I'm glad that he finally got over the line again probably could have won the final if it went if it went free uh, he was saving some ridiculous match points but then eventually on the seventh one he commits a forehand error i i laughed at a comment that i got on my twitter um after this match where uh this guy said that um the french choking like usual 
And I was like, okay, he made a forehand unforced error on the seventh match point, but he saved the previous six with like some ridiculous shots. So, so how can you really say he was choking there? You know, if you if you have to save seven match points, you're kind of bound to hit an error on on one of them. But anyway, uh, yeah, still still progress, of course. At 31 years old, you you kind of have to wonder how long this will last and like whether he gets more chances, but. If you know, if we're looking at what he's done this year so far, he probably should get at least one more chance. Yeah, I mean, he he's been playing with some really great consistency. It's, it's been very impressive. As for semi-finalists, let's go with Terence Atman to start. He beat Steven Diaz six three six three. Ryan Penniston six four six one took out our pick. Maton Fuchovic six three seven six. Uh, made his first ever challenge semi-final last week and Pozoblanco now makes back-to-back uh, two of them right here. What did you make of this week for Atman? Um, yeah, he had a fantastic win over Fucevic, of course. Um, that was uh, that was something. Um, he he played extremely well to get there. He saved a billion set, billion set points in the second set tiebreak. Uh, then at 10-9, well, 9-10 down, Fucevic really helped him out with, with a couple of points. Uh, but but still, he has that obviously that very fun attacking lefty game. You know, goes to the net, hits a huge forehand, and it's kind of hard to stop him when he's on. So, um, so a great run for him as well. And back to back semis, that's that's some pretty huge points coming up his way. Um, he's like almost in the top two hundred right now, or actually, is he in the top two hundred already? No, he's almost in the top two top two hundred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the other semifinals was Moreno de Alboran, who beat Moro Cañas 6 4 6 2. Jimmy Ilkel, same score. Uh, then Verdasco in the quarterfinals 6 3 6 2. Came pretty close to, to beating Amaz Ruiz, but in the end, it was just his fourth challenge semifinal this season. What did you make of this week for Moreno de Alboran? Yeah, these sort of hardcore events, I feel like, are, are pretty amazing for him. It's like the Hugo Grenier, Emilio Gomez type of events, I think, mm-hmm. that they've been succeeding in similar ones. And uh, yeah, just had a very nice run, of course, not maybe not the strongest, but beating Morocanias pretty cleanly. And then three match points against Yamas Ruiz, which he'll be, um, of course, he, he will regret that. But as I as I said earlier, there was just not much he could do, really. It was all set up by the Yamas Ruiz serve. Um, yeah, just wasn't really a moment where he could really, he could take it. He hit like two shots on them and, and they were finished or like the points were finished already. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also wanted to mention Fernando Verdasco reaching the quarterfinals here, beating Dana Dead 6-7-6-1-6-4, beating Berankis as well 6-1-6-4. He was 4-12 and 12 on the year coming in. This is what, this was his first challenger quarterfinal since Vancouver last year in August. What did you make of this week for for Vedasco finally getting a couple of wins under his belt? Yeah, I didn't really get to watch him much. As as some of you guys might know, I was at the Warsaw 250, so my challenger watching was like a little um, limited compared to usual. But you know, there were some rain delays, so <laughs> and the, of course, not not every challenger was like going um, right at the at the same time with Warsaw. Um, so, so I still got plenty, but Verdasco probably um, not, 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 not really. But he was already decent in Pozo Blanco against Yamas Ruiz. So um, maybe, maybe he will get something going. Hopefully, yeah. And then over the doubles, we had Dana Dead and Piero Gerber win the title sixth challenger title of the season already for Dana Dead, 
who is now, I think, in the top 10 individual doubles rankings uh, of, for the season. Second of the season for Herbert. They beat uh, Francis Alcantara and Sun Fajing. Uh, the fourth career challenger final for Alcantara, still looking for that first title. The third one for Sun Fajing after he won two titles previously on, on the Chinese challengers. Uh, last week, they, they lost to, to David Marrero and Moreno del Boran in Pozo Blanco. And this week in the first round, they beat Marrero and Verdasco, who were, of course, the, the big story there in the doubles. Couldn't get a win, but I think it was pretty close, like 10-8 in the yeah. super tie break there. Precisely, yeah. Yeah, uh, so we can go over to Verona, where we had a huge comeback in the final. Vit Kopshiva winning the title over Vitali Sachko. He was 1-6-2-5 down, but comes back to win it 1-6-7-6-6-2. His second challenger title of his career after Prostia of last year. He started by beating Valentin Goyer, 7-6-6-3. Marco Tronchetti, 6-2-6-2. Beat Darderi, 4-6-6-1-6 love. Came back from a set down against Matthias Borg as well to win 6-2 in the third up 64 spots number 184 i hadn't actually realized that he dropped down that deep but back in the top 200 now what did you make of this run for Vitkop shiva yeah he was around 250 and probably going to miss us open qualities so obviously that this comes at the very right time uh, this match in the quarters against Dardeni was a was a very interesting one because I think that was like the moment which uh, in which Copriva, if he lost, was probably gonna miss US Open qualies, and Dardeni, because he lost, he might miss miss US Open qualies. So, so it it was like you know the the crunch time for for both these guys, and the final comeback for Copriva, I mean, it was just ridiculous. He was one six two five down, and I was even sitting there thinking. Okay, so he secured New York and now he's barely, <laughs> I mean, now he's barely holding up in the final. Like he, he's done his job for the week and, and that's, yeah, that, that, that's all that he had. Uh, but then suddenly Sachko sort of commits a few errors and he lets him in and Copriva, honestly, I mean, wrote that momentum very well. And he was like, yeah, I think I said on Twitter that he was like, gaining energy in the third instead of losing it you know while Sachko was was just having a well a bit of a breakdown uh Copriva just suddenly became even faster even quicker hit even bigger and and he got over the line so a really ridiculous run and obviously um you know very timely yeah as for Sachko his fourth challenger final of his career one in three in the finals uh, looked like he was on his way for the second Challenger 100 title of his season after he won Bratislava earlier this year. Uh, on this run, he beat Guido Andreozzi on, in a comeback on his own, 2-6-7-6-6-4, uh, to get him started. Then he beat Hassan, 6-2-6-2, Comesania, 7-5-6-3, David Goffin, 7-5-6-4, up 32 spots, number 156, his new career high ranking. Couldn't hold it together in the final, but what do you make of this week for Sachko? Yeah, huge win in the opening round against Andreozzi and you know he's he's now like realizing his potential but not to not win this from 6152 up and as I said like initially it wasn't Copriva doing anything crazy. Uh, this was a double break by the way, 52 up. Um initially it wasn't Copriva doing anything crazy. It was like more, you know, a few errors from Sachko letting him back into the match. So so definitely he will, uh, you know, he will not, rem <laughs> like the memories from the final will not be great for Sachko. <laughs> definitely not. But um, I'm still very glad to see him playing like this, like basically throughout the year. 
and you know get get to a ranking that it's probably more reflective of his ability than what he had at this time last year. Yeah, we can go over to our semifinalists, starting with David Goffin, who beat Nen Manfatic 6-4-6-3, Chung Sin Seng, who qualified to make the second round, 7-5-6-love. A bit of a crazier match against Stefano Napolitano, 1-6-6-1-6-2, his third challenger semifinal already this season. What did you make of this week for Goffin? Uh, yeah, he was my pick as as one of the top seeds. Uh, so I was really hoping for him to get over the line because it seemed like he's one of the better ones. He lost to Sachko. Uh, honestly, that match could have been even easier for the Ukrainian, but he was like blowing leads. So maybe this was a bit of a you know, um, a trailer of a preview of what was going to happen in the final. Um, still, um, it's a semi, so it's it's not really wrong. But I guess. With David Skofen ranking right now, he kind of needs to be winning this, these events to get back to the top. And after, especially after a big run at Wimbledon, he probably was hoping for a bit more. Uh, but we'll see how he does in San Marino now. Yeah, Matthias Borg was our other semifinalist. Um, semifinalist started in qualifying, beating Simon Inab Ivanov 6 3 6 3, Giorgio Tabacco. 6-4-7-5. Then he came back from a sit-down against Martinez to win 6-2 in the third. He came back from a sit-down against Vesely to win 6-4 in the third. Beat Passado 6-4-2-6-6-4. His first challenger semifinal since Brest in October last year. What did you make of this round for Bork? Yeah, he definitely has a few of these events every year where he's absolutely great and like, you know, reminds you of, of the player that he once was, like inside the top 150 and beating Martinez, Veseli, Passaro, um, you know, three, three guys like this, uh, in consecutive matches, all in three sets, uh, was certainly kind of, was certainly huge. Yeah. And then over in the doubles, Federico Gallo and Andrea Pellegrino. Won the title, uh, beating Dutra Deskova and Hart for Gaio and Pellegrino. It was, it was their second challenger title together after Caltaniseta back in 2018. Uh, it was Gaio's first title since. Pellegrino, of course, has had more success, made the Trieste final last week as well. Uh, for Dutra da Silva, the second challenger final of the season after Tigre, all the way back in January, and the first ever challenger final in, in doubles for Nick Hart. In Salinas, we had Ilya Marchenko rejoining the winner's circle, beating Matija Petrotic, 6-4-6-4. For Marchenko, his ninth challenger title of his career, 9-8 and eight in finals, has now won four straight challenger finals. This was his first, of course, since Biela back in February 2021, beating Andy Murray. He started by coming back from a sit-down against Omni Kumar to win 6-4 in the third. Then took out Donskoy in straight sets, beat Noguchi, the second seed, 7-6 in the third, then beat my pick for the title, Giovanni and Pechi Pericard, 7-6-6-4, before taking out Petrotic. Up 75 spots, number 253. What did you make of this round for Marchenko here? Yeah, we've said a couple of times that like uh, Marchenko is actually playing some really solid stuff this year compared to 2022. So so glad that he finally has a big result to, you know, to show for it. Um, some tough matches early on, but, you know, in the final, he was actually pretty great, I thought. And especially against Betty Pericard, like he was constantly getting him, him into trouble on the, on the Frenchman's serve. So, so that was quite a good performance too. He just wasn't able to, you know, take the break points until, until he finally did. And, um, 
yeah, as you said, the two years since he had a challenger final, but this is clearly much, this year is clearly much better for him than, uh, the one in 2022. Uh, he couldn't make US Open, uh, US Open qualifying, but like he put, he puts himself in a position where maybe he could be back there for the Australian Open. And that's, um, that, that would be probably, you know, his goal right now. And like at this stage of his career, that's making Grand Slam qualifying is probably what he's, he has to aim for because higher than that, it's probably impossible, but that's, that's kind of what, um, you know, makes or, or breaks your year, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to see him retire after this season just yet. If he's, if he's in this sort of borderline position. Yeah. It's good enough rankings. to keep him, keep him there. Yeah. Yeah. As for Matija Petrotic, this was his second challenger final after Suju all the way back in October, 2015. He had to retire from that one against Dudicella, got to play this one out. Uh, still, I believe, works in, in finance or something, does yeah. tennis part-time on his ninth Real estate uh, broker, I think. Real estate, yes. Yeah, uh, only only his ninth uh, event of the season. He's started in qualifying by beating Urea 6-1-6-1 and Blake Ellis 6-1 in the third. Once he was in the main draw, he beat Tristan Schoolcate 7-5-7-6, Dane Sweeney 7-6-6-1, and Omar Jessica, 6375, four Australians in a row he beat in Salinas, bit of a statistical quirk. Uh, in the semis, beat out of Chelly Bilic, 7561. Couldn't beat Marchenko in the final, but moves up 176 spots to number 435. And he's back in the top 500 for the first time since January 2022. What did you make of this run for Petrovic, who continues to get these very interesting results every now and then? It's not every tournament he plays, uh, but sometimes he just turns it on and, and shows out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the guy has had like losses to Alexander Obrio this year, but at the same time, he has beaten Jack Sock, Dennis Sandgren in Delray Beach, of course. That was the big one where everyone, you know, got familiar with his story. And, um, well, basically that the media tried to, tried to paint him as like a random on the, on the tennis court who is simply a real estate broker who picks up a racket. Of course, that's not really true. You know, he's had a fantastic college career at Princeton. He said, as you said, in 2015, he had a challenger final. Uh, it's just that he has not played much since all of these days. Uh, well, there, there was this brief, I guess, moment in 2019 when he was playing a lot and winning ITFs. Uh, but these days it's, it's more of a part-time thing, but you know, he, he was, he was definitely amazing here. Uh, and he was, um, going to break the record for that, uh, stat that I mentioned. So oldest challenger first time winner, if he got there, he actually would have broken it for, um, by over a year. Um, Joseph oh, wow. Siriani was 32 years and, and nine months old when he won his first challenger and Pekotic would, would have been 34. So that would have been something. Uh, I don't think he did much wrong in the final as well. He was definitely like using his leftiness well and, um, trying to introduce a lot of variety to his game. So, so I, I think he was, he was playing very well in that, in that Saturday final because this was the only final we, we had this week that came on Saturday. Um, yeah, uh, I I don't know how much he's gonna play. You know that this is this is the thing with Pekotic, I suppose. But obviously, it would have been a, a fantastic story if he claimed the challenger title at this point uh, in Delray Beach. Uh, you know, it was it was such a such a massive headline. Uh, I see that he's probably gonna play Santo Domingo in in August, um, but 
yeah let's just see how much he plays because clearly he still has like a challenger adjacent level and he's probably had that throughout his career it's just that he hasn't played it it's just that he hasn't played all that much in recent years yeah as for semi-finalists starting with out of chili be like he beat aiden mayo six four six two kaichi uchida six one two six six four and abdullah shelby Seven five one six six four. Only a second challenger semifinal this season after Otinier back in January. What did you make of this run for Chadwick Pilek? Yeah, I think he's already dropped the points for Porto, right? So, so he's not defending them next week, uh, which is also why he's not going to make U.S. Open qualifying. But you know, he still needs a lot of good results to get back up there, and this semifinal is a bit of a start. Uh, I don't know if this is going to hamper his chances of doing well in Porto at all. He's the two-time defending champion, <laughs> yeah. so um, that, that's pretty wild that Alduchelli like is a two-time defending champion. Like n- not necessarily because of his ability; it's just the fact that you know he, his results over the past two years have been uh, pretty awful, and like the fact that he still has a challenger that he's won two times is is pretty ridiculous. But maybe he maybe he does it for the third time. Who knows? And that's that's gonna be um that's gonna be exciting to watch this week. But yeah, just a solid run that that eventually, you know, these points of course don't really do much for him at the moment, but eventually they stay on his ranking for twelve years and maybe he can get back um to where he was. Uh, twelve years, twelve, 12 months, months, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That that would have been something if if points stayed, um, for only ranking for twelve um, years. That was some uh, like it was pretty similar during the ranking rankings freeze, right? Some of the points Felt they like stayed on your ranking, yeah, for like three years. Yeah, especially for guys trying to break out. I I, I, I was like walking through mud for them and trying to get up. Yeah, you rankings. had to have like nine hundred points to break the top one hundred at some point, which is why, of course, Talon Greekspor had eight challenger titles in one year. And <laughs> right now you need about six hundred, which is still higher than it was like, I don't know, six months ago. It was about five hundred. So Yeah, and Petit Pericard was our other semifinalist here, uh BT Mateos Alvish. Six three six four. Alex Bolt three six six four seven six saves two match points in that one as well. Beat Baby Zhukayev seven six six seven six four. Uh, third challenger semifinal of the season for Mpechi Pericard. What did you make of this week for him? Yeah, we said a couple of weeks back that this Chicago run was like more legit than. Uh, than his Lyon one because of the altitude probably here here it also also wasn't an altitude of course um, maybe not the strongest but still it was a great match against Bolt and against Zhukayev I think um, you know a bit of a serve both battle obviously in the quarters uh, in the second round he saved like match points against Bolt and it was a pretty crazy finish um, so yeah he he is actually showing that he can do it on hard courts perhaps not the strongest of events. Uh, but you know, in the past, he he really struggled with his, like to to make his backhand useful outside of clay. Right now, he's getting a bit better at that. So, um, so that's that's also good for his potential. You know? Yeah, and then over in the doubles, Basil Kirkov and Alfredo Perez um, won the title here, second challenger title of the season for Kirkov, uh, who also already has four ITF titles on the year. He has fully transitioned into becoming a doubles specialist at age 24 as a former top 30 junior, which is pretty interesting to see with pretty good success so far. First ever challenger title for Perez. In the final, they beat Diaz Khalil and Guillen Mesa, um, two Ecuadorian wildcards, first challenger final for, for either of those guys. 
And we will finish in Astana, our challenger 50 this week, where Denis Yevseyev beat Humayun Sultanov 752664 for his first ever challenger title. He made his first ever final here last year, uh, becomes the oldest maiden challenger champion since Lukavani in Portoroz in 2015. Uh, on this run here, he beat Ajit Rai 6461, uh, Oral Kimhi. 7561, Alexander Zgirovsky 6264, and Yankee Erel 6464 did not drop a final and uh, did not drop a, uh, a set until the final. Up 72 spots, number 340. What did you make of this run for EFCF? Yeah, um, I didn't even realize he was 30, honestly. So we had three guys mm. over 30 looking for uh <laughs> looking for their first challenger titles um this week, which was which is kind of cool. Um, I thought he was like probably 28 or something. Uh, but yeah, last year Astana was much stronger. He was still up a break in the third on Safiulin in the final. Um, this year, not of course just the challenger 50 compared to 80 that year. And um, the highest ranked opponent faced, I think, was 375. Again, obviously, Yankee Erel. Uh, not the strongest of runs, but you know, given that he got to the final last year and was very close to winning it. Um, and obviously he also needed it falling outside of the top 400. You got a point there, um, uh, which, you know, probably in the bottom half, FCF was the, was the strongest player. Um, you know, probably the strongest in the field outside of Kukushkin, I'd say easily. And, uh, yeah, the final probably, you know, kind of easy to see like where, why FCAF is not ranked higher when you, when you watch the final, you know, some patches of looking like he doesn't care at all and like, you know, error, wild error sprees. And then he actually has a, um, has a couple of games where where you can easily see him in the top 250 or something. Yeah, it was a pretty wild uh, wild match in the in the final as well. Like uh, I didn't, I don't think I even put it in the poll for match of the week because I think there's like a certain quality. Um, you know, th th there's like a certain quality level, and and if you go below it, it can't really be a match of the week, I think. But when it comes to the drama, it was certainly there, and and yeah, it was just a wild, wild way to to win, especially struggling physically in the third, um, because for a moment it seemed like it seemed like there there might be a repeat of last year's final when he was up a break in the third and and lost. Yeah, uh, as for Sultanov, this was his first challenger final, beating Sekiguchi 7664. Dmitry Popko giving him a third set retirement at 2 1, beat Filipov out of qualifying 576464, and Yevgeny Karlovsky 6361, up 104 spots to number 446. What did you make of this run for Sultanov? Yeah, not wasn't expecting that at all. But honestly, he was probably the the one of uh, in the in the in in the whole draw. Like he was probably the performer that surprised me the most. Um, you know, very solid on the backhand side, and then like his forehand really can explode. And um, he was using that very well in the final to get to five love up in the opening set, and then he lost the next seven games. Uh, <laughs> which was just insane and then he actually takes the second one uh i don't understand that final at all but he was also struggling with like a, a right knee or, or maybe it was a left it was definitely a knee issue and um the the mobility seemed to be a bit hampered especially in these last games of the first set then he still got very close to winning it you know it was four all in the third eventually uh 
very very surprised by this run but this is maybe what you know these these sort of weaker challenger 50 events can give us a chance to uh follow a player like kumo and Sultanov more closely you know i i've seen him live before but i just didn't really pay that much attention to it i suppose to him i suppose here we can go over to our semi-finalists in astana starting with Evgeny karlovsky who beat sing 7662 Philip Pelibo, 6364, and your pick, Michal Kupushkin, 644662, for his first Challenger semifinal appearance since Manama at the end of 2021. What did you make of this week for Karlovsky? Yeah, um, he was like 4 and 15 for the year, I think. Uh, so, so pretty crazy. But, um, well, this week he actually played like, you know, back when he was in the top 300 or something easily. So, um, so that was, that was, that was pretty surprising to see for sure. He is now coached by Denis Istomin, as you guys probably know already. And, um, like the doubles together as well. Yeah. You could see Denis Istomin on the stream a couple of times, uh, when they had like the, the, the multi camera set up. Uh, definitely a great match against Kukushkin kind of outlasted him as well. Um, you know, he was so much more consistent than him. Um, I also watched him against Panivo and it was a pretty good, pretty high quality match as well. Um, don't know if, if this is going to turn into anything, you know, with the sort of year that he's had, but this was definitely the first time we've seen Evgeny Karlovsky play, you know, up to his potential in, in a long while. Yeah. Yankee Erel was our other semifinalist beating uh, Kemaladze 6-4-6-7-6-1, coming back from a set down against uh, Ruben Statham 1-6-6-3-6-4, and then beating Benjamin Locke as well 6-3-7-6, his, his second career challenger semifinal, also uh, after Manama 2021, so it's quite mm. funny that we had two of the same semifinalists from that tournament. What did you make of RL this week? Yeah, I remember that it was like December, November that, that year, but I thought it was actually Antalya after Manama. So, so that's, uh, that, that's really funny. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jan Kierel, I think he just, you know, did exactly what he was supposed to do. Like he, he has been getting some very good results on the ITF circuit this year. You know, being guys like, you know, just looking at this, like Jessica Moria, Jason Jung. Uh, you know, these are the sort of wins which at, at the Challenger 50 level, I, I think, are pretty common. And yeah, probably you have to think that this match against uh, EFCAF was like a sort of virtual final in in a way. Uh, I think Erel was probably beating Sultanov as well. So so he will be, um, well, still a good run, but there, there was potential for more. I don't think I watched that semi, so can't really say more. And over in the doubles, Praj Valdev and Kalyan Rakunacha won their first challenger title. First challenger title for either guy. They beat Toshihide Matsu and Kaito Wesugi in the final, their fourth challenger final already this season. Yeah. Toshihide Matsu, age 45, still looking for his first title since Knoxville in 2018. Just wasn't meant to be, but they, they just keep getting to these, to these finals this year. Yeah, fifth final since November last year, I think. And I'm, I'm still waiting, you know, for, for this achievement because obviously it would be pretty huge. Uh, he won his first challenger doubles title in 2003. So, you know, 20 years have passed and he's still up there. Uh, in a month, he's going to become the oldest, uh, ATP ranked doubles player, unless, uh, 49 year old Ricard Ross turns up again. Or maybe someone else turns up again. But um, for now, uh, you know, in a month, he should be the oldest singles and doubles ranked player. 
yeah um let's go to match of the week upset of the week where would you like to start um yeah when it comes to match of the week uh, i actually don't feel like there were that many classics um maybe i i said it on twitter but maybe this is because i was in warsaw and i watched a bit less than usual like maybe that's why i don't feel like there were that many classics but from what for what i can see like people also didn't really bring up that many new options in the in the comments like most of them were just you know um like someone said china gigante was amazing which you know I, I just don't know anything about it honestly but otherwise i think they mostly agreed with the options uh, right now in the poll there's a toss-up between um like there's a there's a there's a virtual tie between rindernecht travalia and diamas ruiz escoffier I'm gonna go with Rindernecht Travalia, but I think uh, also Petri Pericard versus Bolt was a was a very fine pick. Uh Rindernecht Travalia, you know, the last couple of weeks I think Travalia is just playing such high quality tennis. He just keeps running into some tough draws. Even when he actually like beats the guys like Mbenshik, he still loses in the next round then. So he has been a bit unlucky. Uh, and yeah, just yet another great match against Travalia versus someone, which I feel like I've already picked a few times this week, this year for, for much of the week. Yeah, I'm going with Mbechi Pericard against Alex Bolt. Uh, it was a, it was a bit of a you know roller coaster. Bolt yeah. being a, a, a set and a break up. Mbechi Pericard was up for one in the, in the third set. Uh, five three up, I think, even and like thirty all. Uh, but both fought fought back to uh, to to get to that tie break. Uh, had two match points, which Mpechi Pericard handled very well with it with his serve. I, th- I thought it was a pretty pretty interesting match. Eleven nine in the third set tie break there. Uh, upset of the week. Who are we going with? Huh. Um, it's a bit of a dilemma. Like, there's a couple of wild scores in Astana, like Islam Orin Basar beating uh, Prashval Dev. But uh, yeah, I just I just don't know anything about that Kazakhstani player. And it, it's the same with um, the qualifying, where uh, I know our Irish friend will want me to mention um, Istomin losing to uh, who Arslanbek Aitkulov. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on, yeah, like honestly, I just don't know anything about these guys, so it's kind of hard for me to pick this without watching. I might just go with maybe, um, let's just say Atmane over Fuchovic. I think it was slightly That's more surprising than well, yeah. Karlovsky Kokushkin, but th- these two are pretty similar, I think, where um, Kokushkin and Fuchovic were like the, the top seeds that were expected to win the events. And they run into some great performances. Fuchovic is better than Kukushkin. Atmane is better than Karlovsky. I don't know. I mean, it's between these two for me. Yeah, I, I've gone with the same with, with Atmane beating Fuchovic. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the, the highest odds did come from, from Astana somewhere. with Because yeah. we had a, a couple of guys, Filipovs, Girovsky as well, were, were qualifiers who I don't think played a, a challenger before. So I think they, they might have had some pretty... Uh, pretty high yeah, the highest was the matches. was the Istomin one in the qualifying for sure mm-hmm. over eight. Yeah, yeah, and and that that guy lost like really easily in the next round as well. Yeah, so <laughs> to Kalianda oh. Kunacha, I think. Yeah, all all around kind of, kind of confusing, uh, but we can get to the previews now. Winners picks wise, I have seventeen. You have eighteen. We both added one. This was actually your first one since Serbiton. 
so it was quite a quite a while yeah. for you. I knew it. It's been really long. Yeah. Um, there there was a moment when I was like getting a point every single week, and then there was a dry spell of two months, which kind of shows you that even when I thought I mastered this game, uh, I haven't really. <laughs> it's actually still really tough, and sometimes you're gonna get lucky, and sometimes you're gonna get just shit on for two months. Yeah, we have two challenge round 25s. Let's start with Porto, Hard Courts, the top seed being Quentin Alice facing Gastao Elias, even with a wild card here. Uh, could then face Jules Marie or Benjamin Locke in the second round. Emilio Nava is the other seed in a section, playing a qualifier, and then Denis Yevsev or another qualifier. Hugo Grenier coming off of retirement last week uh, is the third seed here, playing a qualifier, and then Pierre Ugerber or Laurent Locoli. Mattia Bellucci is the fifth seed, playing João Souza in with a wild card, and then Alec Bek Kachmazov or a qualifier. Richard Berankis plays Peter Goyovchik, and then Dominic Pavan or Adrian Andreev. Luca Nardi plays Nicolas Mejia, and then Gokalo Oliveira or a qualifier. Benjamin Bonzi is also here, second seed, playing Steven Diaz, and then Enrique Rocha or a qualifier. Antonio Escofi is the seventh seed, playing Lorenzo Giustino. And then uh, Federico Ferreira Silva or two-time defending champion Altuk Celikbilek. In the qualifying, we have some names here. Kenny Deschepper is playing Kalyan Kalyan uh, Pedro Araujo or, or Joao Dominguez will be in here. Uh, we also have Robert Strombach playing Duarte Bale, uh, Johannes Haertes, Lucas Plan in the doubles. Jonathan Isaic and Isam Ulha Kureshi are the top seeds. They actually face Goncalo Oliveira in the first round, who's playing with Benjamin Locke. Uh, Matsui and Wesuki are the fourth seeds in here. Agabigun is, is playing with, with Celik Bilek. Uh, Nam and Song are the second seeds. Not super strong in the doubles. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Porto? Yeah, I'm probably not picking Altuk Bilek to win this three times in a row. This is also now a 125, perhaps not one of the strongest 125s because, you know, most guys will already be in the States. I don't know what Quentin Alice is doing here. Um, still, like, why is he scheduling himself for challengers now? Um, it kind of raises the question of like whether he will be fully motivated because we've already seen it, right? In um, what was it, blowout Lyon, Lyon, when he lost to Yamas Ruiz and was like, you know, just going for his plus one forehand and missing it every single time. Then he won Blois, so I guess you never really know. Uh, but you know, if I was him, I was definitely, I would, I would have definitely gone to the States at this point in time. Uh, even play Lexington, I don't know if you don't want to play Washington. Um, qualifying or something. But anyway, um, yeah, so, so I'm kind of iffy on whether I want to pick him. Gastao Elias usually does well in Portugal, but probably not on hard. Jules Marie, by the way, won the, won the 25k in Porto. That just happened. I'm assuming the same oh, courts. And Kenny Deshepper was the finalist. So Kenny actually played two matches in a day yesterday and he still won both of them. So that was pretty mm -hmm. impressive at his, at this stage of his career, I think. Yeah, probably no one from the qualifying winning this. Grenier is an option. You know, he we, we've seen already the past couple of weeks. Well, not not last week because he retired, but he only retired out of fatigue, I suppose. And, um, you know, we've seen that he does so well in these sort of Iberian Peninsula hardcore events. <laughs> uh, 
uh, if we can call them that. I think Oliveira at some point might have a challenger run, but he's played so much tennis this year already, you know, 76 singles matches that I kind of have to wonder if, um, you know, if he's still going to have enough uh, just left in the tank for the rest of the of the year. But I guess he was always one of these guys who played constantly, right? 45 Every losses week. in a, yeah. yeah, 45 losses in a year most of the time uh, before the pandemic. Um, maybe, I don't know, Escofia going back to back finals, probably not. Bonzi is always an option, but he has been struggling recently and, um, well, mostly of his health and then struggling to get back into the right rhythm. So I'm basically thinking right now, can I pick Benjamin Bonzi uh, with him being on a six match losing streak? I think I can. I'm going to try Benjamin Bonzi. I, I kind of like this draw. Uh, Escofiel, Chalik Bilek in the quarters. That's reasonably tough. But, you know, if Benjamin Bonzi just gets back to his groove, there's really nothing he should be struggling with here. And it seems like over the past two months, he has been healthy. He hasn't won a set. But, you know, he, he will get back up there at some point, I hope. Yeah, I'm going to pick Benjamin Bonzi. Steven Diaz is definitely a, a, a good draw to to get him started here. Um, after that, and and then he could Ocha, I'm, I'm not really sure what he's going to show us on on hard here. Potentially, Chelly Bilek or Escofi in the quarters. We'll we'll see. I'm going to go with Quentin Alice. Um, I think that if he wasn't going to be motivated, I don't think that he would really bother <laughs> coming here. Um, and staying in Europe instead of going to to America a bit earlier, I quite like the draw for his section as well. Just 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 overall, uh, maybe despite Jules Marie uh, coming off of a good run there. So yeah, I mean Quentin Ali, finalist here last year. I'm I'm quite happy picking him here. And we'll be going over to San Marino, our other challenger 125, where we have Alexander Muller as the top seed playing a qualifier, and then Aziz Dugas or Andrea Pellegrino. Stenia Kolaj is the seventh seed playing qualifier, and then Gianluca Mager or another qualifier. Davi Goffin plays Federico Gallo, and then Vitali Sachko or Nicolas Davidionel. Flavio Koboli is here with a wild card as the fifth seed playing a qualifier, and then Nerman Fatic or Roman Andres Boruchaga. Kimer Kopejans plays Dragos Nikolai Madaras, and then Daniel Rincon or qualifier. Fabio Fognini also in here with a wild card. The fourth seed plays Andrea Cuiarini, and then Eduardo Lavagno or Marco De Rossi. Uh, Jaime Munar is the second seed playing Francesco Passaro, and then Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo or a qualifier. Mark Polmans plays Federico Dalbonis, and then Alessandro Genesi or Moez Echargui. In the qualifying, we have guys like Vachero, Kirian Jacquet, also in here playing Gianmarco Ferrari, Victor Durasovic will play Enrico Dallavale, Tavernel plays uh, Dutra da Silva. A couple of interesting names. In the doubles, Bortolotti and Pellegrino are the top seeds. Boruchaga and Pati will play each other in the first round, they're playing together. Matuszewski and Zelenai, they made the semis last yeah. week, they stayed, they stick together. Playing Cervantes and Matos Gornes in the first round here. Kopeans teams up with Chunsin Seng. Lutarevich and Manafov have been one of the better uh, teams here. And Fabio Fognini plays uh, with uh, Herman Gai, who I believe is his coach Ooh. or something. Uh, and he hasn't played professionally yeah. in, a, in a number of years. They play the San Marino wildcards, Marco De Rossi and Manuel Mazza. So they will have a pretty decent chance 
of of earning his coach some some points here <laughs> in in doubles but going back to the singles who do you like for the title that's wild yeah he hasn't played since wow he only played four doubles matches and <laughs> that what really and he he got to 857 in the doubles rankings maybe that maybe that's wrong but you know singles 740 no i i didn't really um know that well that's that, that that's quite a, a fun fact as well we'll see if they if they actually get that that win um yeah looking at the qualifying jacque of course is like a, a big pretty big name with how he's played recently ferrari um that's not an easy matchup though durasovic dalavale maybe that's something that i'm going to watch today uh, if I have the time, um, yeah, Taberner Dutra da Silva, uh, maybe not so um, aesthetically pleasing, but, you know, these guys could potentially do something here. Uh, but yeah, the draw is kind of tough. Um, Goffin playing Gaio and then Sachko Rionel makes me not want to pick him. Uh, then then one of these guys will face Koboli as well, so I'm also kind of doubting myself in this regard. Uh, Passaro Munar is such a good opening round matchup. We've seen it twice in 2022. Both were straight sets, but you know, one one won by Passaro, one won by Munar, and they were all like super high quality. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna repeat itself now. Now that both guys, you know, th their years haven't been as good, but still, Fonini, I, I don't trust him enough to to pick him to win. I think, especially if he has to play Colarini, Lavagno, and like Copeans, like that. That's really tough. So I think I just have to go with Alexander Miller. Again, a bit of a question like, why are you here? You know, he he's done so well on hard courts this year. He easily could have been in, like, I don't know, Lexington or Washington, I think. Uh, but that's the choice he made. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Alexander Miller, who as much as I, I, I know I was a little bit doubtful in terms of his ability to get to the top 100 and like actually have something to say in there, he has, you know, shown this year that he uh, belongs, I suppose. And yeah, um, th this is the sort of throw that I think he might be um, capable of taking advantage of, provided that Andrea Pellegrino doesn't have another one of his amazing uh, runs that basically happen just two or three times a year yeah uh, i'm going to be going with jamie munar um passaro isn't an easy first round opponent not at all but i think the rest of the section for him looks quite nicely he's coming off of two main tour quarterfinals so i feel like this level wise he's, he's got the game right now uh so yeah quite quite happy going with jamie munar We've basically exchanged the top two seats so far. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we we have flipped them uh, in in these first two. Uh, we go to Ludenscheid now, Challenger one hundred with Fabian Marojan as the top seed, playing Livian Gavrilides, and then Rudolf Molker or Max Hans Rechberg, Maximilian Materer also in a section there, the fifth seed, playing a qualifier, and then Roka Bataya or another qualifier. Timofei Skatov is the fourth seed, playing Oleksii Krutich, and then Jeffrey Blancano or Camilo Ugo Karabey. Uh, Raul Brancaccio is the sixth seed playing Anna Ilaksonen and then Stefano Travaglia or Henry Squire. Jan Choinski plays Gautier on clan and then Santiago Rodriguez Taverna or a qualifier. Benoit Pair also in here playing Facundo Mena and then Nick Hart or a qualifier. Gurdalien plays Daniel Massur and then Josef Kovalik or a qualifier. Pedro Martinez is the second seed playing Mariano Norone and then Louis Vessels or a qualifier. In the qualifying, we have Duya Dukovic 
playing Kai Behnelt. We have Vladislav Orlov here, Hadi Habib, uh, Marvin Meller, Pedro Sakamoto, uh, who beat Santelano. So a couple of interesting names, probably nobody that's going to win it. By the way, I, I don't know if you have the PDF version of the qualifying draw opened or something else, but um, there's Ergi Kirkin. There, there's a withdrawal from Ergi Kirkin, and it says still competing. Well, he 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 played the doubles final, but that's the only thing that I can think of. Which oh, is and it was it on be. Sunday, so that's that's really unfortunate for him. Yes, because the doubles final was not played on Saturday because of the rain. Oh. Oh yeah. And then you cannot get a special exempt. Um, yeah, that's very unfortunate. Yeah, especially losing the final. <laughs> at that yeah, point. so so he basically well. could have uh, withdrew from uh, from uh, could have withdrawn from from uh, Zug on Saturday, and then still played here, and the result would have been the same. Yeah. Yeah, I probably wanted to give himself the opportunity for. The, yeah, of for course. The I mean, uh, it's probably what what most people would have done, but still, that's that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, over in the doubles here, we have Sander Arens and Konstantin Franzen as the top seeds. Martinez and Roca Bataya team up. They play Facundo Mena and Ugo Carabey. Um, we have the Sabanov twins in here, Romboli and Sorman, uh, Boris Arias and Federico Ceballos as well. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Lutenscheid? Yeah, no defending champion in Hamad Medjedovic, but he's out there killing the altitude ATP 250 events. Uh, <laughs> of course, Lutenscheid was also held at a different date last year at the end of June. Uh, but yeah, um, are we able to um, stop ourselves from picking Maroshan here as, as a bit of a question? And I think I'm going to be just because he needs to play Moleker in the second round and then Marterer in the quarters. Like that's extremely tough. Um, that's a very, that's a very good quarter. Skatov Krutik, uh, also a good match when it comes to like some of the, well, maybe not title favorites, but like second, third tier contenders. Uh, Travalia, maybe he can do something this time because I, I, I see that his draw is like a little more, um, suitable, but playing Squire in Ludenscheid, which I think is like slightly faster than most clay courts is also a little bit, um, like it's a chance. Benoit Pair could be a winner pick here. Like just when I look at his, at his draw. You know, Mena. It's a good draw for sure. Mena hasn't won a match in ages. It feels like I actually don't know that, but yeah, he's three and eleven, three uh, and ten, not counting Bundesliga. He hasn't played since May, um, even so. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with it. Um, Pedro Martinez, obviously an option as usual, but Mariano Navona in the opening round, that stuff. Delian has been out of form. Kovalik maybe. Kovalik was really good in Hamburg, almost. He's, he's been playing really well. Yeah, the, the past two up. or three weeks, right? Like that—that's been yeah. a, a great up, match of play. Up on Misolic in Bostad, up on uh, Mozetti uh-huh. in in Hamburg. I watched both matches. It was very, very disappointing. Just how he, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. just and loves to throw things away sometimes. I only, I only watched the the one against Mozetti, and obviously Hamburg is is where Kovalik had that huge run in 2018. So that would have been a story as well. But anyway, um, yeah, I think I'm going with Benoit Pair. Uh, just playing Mena and then Hartor the qualifier. Even the the quarterfinal opponents look pretty easy. Um, one of the big questions here is where Idukovic lands because he could potentially shake things up. But yeah, I'm just going with Benoit Pair. Pair is certainly a good pick here. I was sort of deciding between Marojan and Marterer. 
and I think I'm going to go with with Matred here. I I quite like you know the the first round. They're very nice. He doesn't have to play Molekar in the second round, right? Yeah, uh, and and him him against Marojan. I I I could see him beat, beat Marojan if if Marojan is not quite at, at his best. Playing at home, playing on sort of faster clay, I I can see this working for. No, I, th- I think in current form, like Marterer would be maybe even the favorite against Maroshan. Well, barely, but. Possibly. Uh, let's go over to Liberets. Tomasz Machac is the top seed here, playing a qualifier, and then Nino Sedarusic or Gerard Campagna Lee. Uh, Ricardo Bonadio is the fifth seed, playing Mateusz Puccinelli de Almeida, and then Hernan Casanova or Milian Jekic. Sumit Nagal plays Andrew Paulson here with a wild card, and then Yuzia Vasily also with a wild card or a qualifier. Norbert Gombos is the sixth seed, playing Giovanni Fonio and then Timo Stoder or a qualifier. Jakub Menchik plays Vitkov Shiva, huge first round here. Uh, winner could then play Ugo, Ugo Blanchet or Hinek Barton. Uh, Dalibor Svarčina plays Max, Max Kašnikovsky and then Daniel Michalski or Max Hokas. Lukáš Klein is the second seed playing Lukas Rejš da Silva and then Dino Prismic potentially or a qualifier. Francisco Comisania also in that section plays a qualifier and then Valentin Rolier or another qualifier. In the qualifying we have Michal Verbensky, well, Toby Kodat is out here, Konstantin uh, Bitun Kuzman, uh, Kivatsev, some interesting names here in the doubles. We have uh, Noza and Paulson as the top seeds, currently without an opponent. Uh, it's an alternate. We'll see if they, they find somebody for them to play. Uh, Jonas Foretek is playing with Sumit Nakal, which seems a bit random. Uh, Vid Kopshiva plays with Pospisil. We have Marcus Willis here teaming up with Federico Agustin Gomez. And they actually play Milos Karol and Toby Kodat. This is just full of uh, sort of random pairings. Uh, Lukáš Klein is playing with Nino Sedarusic. Uh, we have Yebavi and Vesely teaming up. Quite interesting. Oberleitner and St. Cullen are the second seeds. But going back to the main draw singles, who do you like for the title in Liberets? For Retek Nagal, I, I kind of had a feeling that they already played and, and yeah, they didn't in Merbush last like year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, semis. Uh, obviously, um, a pair that I really want to watch is Federico Agustin Gomez, Marcus Willis. <laughs> that's that's quite something. Um, not like a couple of players that for me were like existing in, in a different universe to each other, probably. Um, yeah, maybe we get the Michalski Kashnikovski round two right now in Tampere. It was a possibility, but Bonadio beat uh, Max and then lost to Daniel. Uh, but Kashnikovski has to beat Gina, so it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, the bottom half is is just stacked. Um, you've got Menšík Kopšiva in the opening round, uh, so that kind of makes me steer away from Menšík, especially now that he has like a matchup with I don't know Michalski or Gina in the quarters. That's not super easy either. Um, Prismic or Klein, like in the in the second round, I have no clue who's gonna win this one. Uh, so maybe Gombos is an option. Timo Stoder, probably not that much of a threat. Maybe Sumit Nagal is a possibility, but playing Paulson and Vesely, I think one of these guys could upset him. Bonadio, not in the strongest of forms recently, but I know I've been picking him a lot to to win these challenger titles. But yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna do it this time. Mahach, perfectly fine. Sendarusic has actually just won an ATP 250, right? In, in doubles, which um, 
was a, a wild story in Umag when he, he won it along with Blash uh, Rola. And Campania Lee, I think, I think is coming off some amazing ITF results. So maybe, yeah, just, just a tough round two opponent for Mahat regardless. Uh, and by the way, no comment on the Pavel Chash loss in the qualifying. His first challenger match of the year and he, he does this. Ah. Uh, but anyway, um, I think I'm going to go with Norbert Gombos, you know, I, 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 I have to check it, but I think, um, just from memory, like in recent weeks, he has been pretty decent. Like even if not winning all that many matches, he has been looking okay. So, so yeah, I, I think I'm just going to go with Norbert Gombos because his draw is more inviting than, uh, it is for most people here. Yeah. I'm, I'm not great to go with Gombos. I'm not lo- I'm loving the form. Um, hasn't won since Wimbledon qualifying. I, I, I guess I like, took sets of Martinez in Carzo, yeah, took a set of Guinard in Salzburg. Uh, most recently got spanked by Sebastian Paez in the Bundesliga, uh, six to six loved. So I'm, I'm not loving his chances for the title, but it's kind of tough because each of the favorites feels like they're they're blocked off. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with Tomasz Machac, uh, as the top seed here, made the final here two years ago, so. Why not? Why not go with with a bit of Mahaj here? And we're going to close it out in Lexington. Uh, on the hard courts, Artur Kazo is the top seed playing a qualifier, and then Ryan Peniston or Omar Jessica, uh, Tristan Skulkate, eighth seed plays a qualifier, and then Nathan Ponwith or a qualifier. Tunglin Wu plays Christian Langmo, and then Adolfo Daniel Vallejo or Alex Bolt. Dane Sweeney plays a qualifier, and then Cannon Kingsley or another qualifier. Uh, we have Ted Sandgren playing Joshua Lapadat, and then Martin Dam or Strong Kirkheimer. Siang Chun Hong plays Nam Hong Lee, and then Ben Atomic or a qualifier. Steve Johnson plays Billy Harris, and then Christian Harrison or Elliot Spitziri. Adam Walton plays Maxime Janvier, and then Ulysses Blanche or Aiden McHugh. In the qualifying here in Lexington, we have Sekulic uh, with a good chance, got a walkover in the in the first round. Uh, Aiden Mayo, Blake Ellis, uh, Yuki Mochizuki, Tristan Boye playing Michael Zhang. Michael Zhang could be an interesting one to to come out of the qualifying. In the doubles, we have Hunter Reese and Artem Sitak as the top seeds. Uh, Christian Harrison and Tennis Sandgren are playing together. Scott Duncan is teaming up with Luke Johnson. He will play Libietis and Walton in the first round. Bolt is playing with Peniston. Pura Vraja teaming up with Ramkumar Ramanathan. Gonzalez and Lawson are the second seeds. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title in Lexington? Yeah, I mean, Zhang and Sekuric, if they, if they qualify, they could actually go very deep here. Um, this draw is not all that strong, obviously. Um, Steve Johnson, you know, recently picked up his game, it seems. But do I trust him to win five matches? Probably not. Uh, who else is a real possibility? Like, who else is better than most of the draw here? And the question is not that many players. Maybe we get another Bernard Tomic Martin Dam <laughs> in the quarters. Mm-hmm. They can seem to stop running into each other. Obviously had that weird match where Tomic retired after winning one game. And... um Otherwise, in like the second quarter, you know, Tunglin was so inconsistent that honestly, it could be anyone there. I think I'm just going to have to go with Artur Kazo. I know he has been beaten by Tristan Skulkate recently and was like a real good performance from the Aussie. 
Uh, but Gazo, you know, still very much in top 100 contention, still pretty much guaranteed to do it somewhere over the course of his career. I don't know if this year, obviously. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to go with, with someone who I think is probably the, you know, one of the most talented players in the field then. Um, you know, it, it's, um, you know, there's Bernie Tomic, there's Steve Johnson in there. But I think um, Artur Kazo is, is kind of on par with them and obviously in better shape at the moment than either Tomic or Steve Johnson. So, so yeah, let's let's try Artur Kazo despite the draw being uh, a little tricky, but I guess it is for most people here. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird draw. So I'm going to pick outside of the draw and I'm going to go with Michael Zheng. Ooh. Uh, to come in hot out of qualifying. I quite like that two of the qualifier spots are in the second quarter, which looks a bit weaker. Then again, three of them are in, in Kazo's quarter up there. Uh, but if he gets spawned with this school kid, I, I think that's a, that's a still a winnable draw for him. Uh, could meet in the first round, potentially our, our first two picks could play Tomic uh, as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I was really impressed with with that run in, in Puerto Rico yeah. that he had. So yeah, my, my Kojeng for me. And this is a nice uh, sort of tie into Puerto Rico because there I had Michael Zhang as a pick from the qualifying <laughs> and he lost in the yeah. final. So maybe you get your own Michael Zhang story here. Uh, by the way, Michael Zhang is like basically um, at even odds with Tristan Boyer <laughs> in the final qualifying round. So um, that kind of shows you that this is a bold pick for sure. But Sometimes these picks go in. We've, I think we've both had qualifying winners um, pick up points for us. Maybe not this year, but in either in 2022 or 2021. So it happens. Uh, you know, you you guys know it happens. Uh, last year, I think in Nontaburi there was there were three consecutive uh, um, qualifier winners in three weeks. So yeah, it's definitely uh, not impossible. Uh, but yeah, that's that's gonna be it for today. We've spent the last 70-ish minutes talking about these uh, these five challenger events that happened, but also previewing what we're going to be um, reviewing in the uh, you know in, in seven days, which is yeah, let's 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 do it. Um, Lexington uh, for sure. Um, there's of course San Marino. There's Ludenscheid. Uh, there's this another 125, which is Porto, and then there also has to be another. Oh, Liberets, of course. It's it's always the closest one to you that's uh, that that makes you uh, confused and like I, I was already thinking of something in South America. But no, 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 no. That, that's that's not happening. And then then I realized that it must be a European event and somehow got there. Uh, maybe it was like the the Pavel Chash loss of yesterday that made me just want to forget about Liberets. Uh, but anyway, that's that, these are the five events that we're going to be talking of, uh, about with you in seven days. And yeah, thanks for listening. Bye.